welcome back to Are You From That Show, the podcast brought to you by Jordan and Hattie. This is episode three of season three. Thank you so much for tuning in. A huge thank you to everyone who sent us such lovely messages and feedback after our conversation with James and Oliver last week. We love hearing from our listeners, so please keep it coming and do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already so that you get new episodes as soon as they land. So here we are with this week's guest, the wonderful Victoria Shallett. Enjoy. Victoria Shallett was born in London and started her acting career as a child, winning roles in numerous television and film projects, including The Maid, starring Martin Sheen, Shining Through, Love Hurts, and perhaps most famously as the lead role Harmony in The Queen's Nose, where she stayed for three series. Victoria now works as a humanistic psychotherapist and counsellor, and we are thrilled to have her as our guest today. Welcome, Victoria. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> I think what was amazing for me looking at your career is you had done so much so young, even before Queen's Nose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I started at, um, I think it was like six and a half. Wow. Yeah. So I've done quite, quite a lot <laughs> by the time Queen's Nose came around. But um, yeah, I went to a drama class after school when I was kind of five or six and um, it was an agency and they asked my parents if they could put me up for an audition. Um, my parents kind of kind of said, uh, okay, <laughs> neither of my parents were in the business and I happened to get that job and it was a, a BBC screenplay and that then just kind of kind of snowballed a little bit. And I would get, you know, uh, recommendations from directors I'd work with to other uh, to other directors. And I think at that age, it's, of course, it's about talent. But um, I also think it's a little bit about how a child behaves on set and, um, yeah, how they kind of, uh, it's behaviour, I think, a lot of the time. Um, and I, um, I was really fortunate to work. And I think there were fewer of us you know certainly when I was working and and then you just you know the same people get the jobs over and over again at that age certainly Mm. although I think that's changed massively now (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah by the time Queen's Nose came around I had already worked with that director in Goggle Eyes Mm -hmm. um Carol Wiseman and she had long talked about wanting to do something with me after Goggle Eyes and that's when it came about and then that queen's nose was the queen's nose <laughs> so did you go to a normal school the whole time throughout yeah. yeah yeah throughout and then um the only time I stopped stopped any acting was during my a-levels and I did like I worked more than ever in my GCSE year and it put a lot of pressure on me um but then for my a-levels my parents and I decided that I just wouldn't work for those two years and as soon as I finished, I then went on to, I finished my, like an exam and then the next day I was working. Um, and that continued until, you know, 
the rest of the world grew up and went, hey, we want a job too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds like fun. That's a good job. <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, definitely. So do you remember being ambitious about going in for the auditions yourself? No. Do you know, it's something I kind of look back on and think, God, I was so... Um, there were very few jobs that I went for and I thought, I really want this. Because I, did, I, because I came to it at six, mm. it, it never felt like a choice. It felt like something that I, of course it was. And my mum was always really um, brilliant at saying to me, you know, if you go for the first audition, then you have to see it through if you get the job or you have to go for the recall. Um, if you don't want to go for the first audition, fine we won't go but it was a kind of lessening commitment and seeing something through but always with a kind of you don't have to um and so there was obviously I, you know I was a kid I got attention I enjoyed it it was different um but I uh, I don't think I ever felt ambitious and I think that's why I changed careers in my 20s I kind of knew I remember saying I I lived with um I bought my first flat with my best friend, Ellie Bevan, who's also an actor and was in the Wild House and lots of other things. And Ellie and I were living together. <clears throat> and I remember saying, you know, if, if it ended tomorrow, I think I'd be okay because I feel like I've had a really good run and I don't feel like I really want it as much as other people really want it. And if they really want it, they should have it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I'd had a really, really brilliant time. I think the most I ever wanted a job that I did, that I got, was The Vice. And that was just because I loved the series and wanted to be part of it. And then, yeah, that was the most excited I ever was. And then there, obviously there were jobs that I went for that I didn't get, I was quite gutted about, but very few, to be honest. If you, if you started sort of going, you went to sort of after school drama classes when you were sort of like yeah. five, six years old. Yeah. What, what took you into it then? Um, I think, well, it was literally just a, um, you know, it was a local church that had um, this after school thing. I'm one of, at that point, I was one of three mm -hmm. um, and um, soon to be one of four. And my brothers had gone to the, the, my older brothers had also gone to the classes and, enjoyed it and I think my older brother had done an advert but um it didn't you know no we wouldn't none of us thought it was going to be what it turned out to be mm. it was just something to do after school like a dance class and like a gym class or swimming whatever yeah that's very similar to me actually really? I in that way exactly that like after school um yeah. on a Friday class yeah. and there was an agency attached to it yes so when something came up that was right for me they asked me to audition yeah oh, exactly the same yeah. <laughs> what was it like going for auditions though like even that young I mean were you were you aware of like that it was like very sort of different to what other kids were doing your age I don't think at six or seven I was um as I got older that became more apparent partly because you know other children weren't particularly kind I totally understand why um now but um because I was doing something different and you know why weren't they doing it and, mm. Um, so there was a kind of, it was a double-edged sword. I really, auditions I didn't love. I, it became a bit of a ritual with my mum. We'd kind of get on the tube and go into town and she'd kind of treat me with a cup of tea and croissant in this beautiful um, shop on, um, 
I think it's on Brewer Street. It was um, where Aesop is now, and it was called La Rose, and it was a mm-hmm. little cafe, and it was that was the bit I looked forward to. <laughs> <laughs> go to all the auditions yeah. and then go and have a tea and croissant or a yeah. pan of chocolate. And it was, um, yeah, that was that was the early days of auditioning. And then as I got older, it was more of a kind of I don't know who likes auditioning. <laughs> I mean, some people must, I suppose, but particularly now it's so different. Um, with- so when you got the Queen's Nose, you must, I mean, that was huge. And I was a huge fan. I was exactly the right age for that. Um, and I found out this morning that my boyfriend was also a massive fan. Oh. I'm very excited that I'm talking to you. Oh, hello. <laughs> um, did you start to get, you must have started to get recognised for the, you know. Yeah, I think off. that was the first time I remember being recognised from the television. Um yeah, I think well, the red hair also <laughs> made a difference. I stood out in a different way. Um, initially, it was just kind of kind of interesting, but then it became well. It, it, I'm still recognised from it, which is really odd to me because I feel like I've aged and also I don't look the same. But because it's stuck in the memory of so many people, and I think the reason it did was because well, there are a few factors. A, it was one of the I might be wrong here but it feels like one of the the early days of of a female lead who wasn't kind of girly in that mm-hmm. kind of old school way yeah and um it was I think it was a really lovely story Dick King Smith wrote a brilliant book and um that already had captured so many people so that brought people in mm-hmm. and then um I think it was also repeated on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock after Grain Chill repeats. So <laughs> loads of um, loads of students watched it. Mm. <laughs> you know, they found themselves watching kids TV. Yeah. And I think that something about Queen's Nose, it didn't feel like kids TV in a way. It was, there were lots of really amazing actors in it. Um, and I think it drew in a, a different crowd. I mean, lots of people recognised me, then got confused as I was older and thought that I was Heather, who played my sister. Because mm. I think a lot of people turned on for Heather. <laughs> she's so gorgeous. Um, and, um, and they would confuse themselves. I mean, why was I watching kids' TV? I was like, you were hungover on a Sunday morning. <laughs> um, and then parents of children. Yeah. So it was a kind of whole... Yeah. Range, not only the kids who watched it, the parents who watched it, and yeah. then the students who were hungover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> weird, weird kind of net of people. But it's great in a way because you, well, maybe it's not great, but it is, it's odd that um, I, remember, I remember being sort of 16 and, and like a, a guy at the tube station was like 45 going, like, Oh, you're in my parents' radio. I was like, Why are you watching it? But you're right, it's, it's the, the, they're the parents of yeah. the kids who are watching it, and I guess they sit there with them and watch it as well but then you're out of context and they're thinking why do i why do i recognize you you must be something i watched as like the adult television i watched yeah (laughs) i don't mean that kind of adult television (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, you know it's kind of it is amazing i'm I'm sure i will do it with with actors as i get older and i watch stuff with my son but it's um yeah did you do you guys get did you or do you still get recognized um, I still do. I still do. Um, uh, for a long time, well, it's all various different ways of getting recognized. Sometimes people were like, they'd know the show you were from, or they'd mistake you for another show, or they'd go, did I go to school with you? Yeah. Or they think they know you from their area. Where are you from? They ask you. I'm like, well, I know how I, you know me. So 
<laughs> so I'm not going to go so from... awkward. Isn't yeah. it? I'm not going to go give you my CV. Yeah. <laughs> my <laughs> husband always says that. They say to him, what, what have I seen you in? And he's like, oh. yeah. go through my CV. <laughs> like, what, what do you watch? Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember being at a, a, a festival years ago with Ellie, who I was talking about earlier, and we were still talking, and someone said, came up to Ellie and said, oh my God, you're like Garth from the Queen's Nose. And she looked at him and he went, that's her. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then he looked at me, I kid you not, he looked at me dead in the eyes and went, no, 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 it's you, <laughs> Ellie. And I always say Ellie had a much memorable, more memorable face. She's incredibly beautiful. Um, and, and she always says, yeah, but the, the, you know, the Queen's Nose was just remembered. So people kind of <laughs> conflate the two of us. <laughs> Did, did you ever used to um, pretend that you weren't from the Queen's Nose, that you didn't play the role? Um, I remember, I think I was, was some kind of facetious comment. Someone said, oh my God, your harmony. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> no, not um, me. But no, I think on the whole, you kind of, um, you know, it's really nice to be recognised. People are, are watching and on the whole, people are really nice. So mm. I don't want to be mean back to to people but um and I was never recognized in the way that lots of people get it so you know what was it like playing a character from a book did you feel any kind of pressure about that because people would be fans of it before that's a great question I don't um I don't think I was that aware of that kind of pressure I think if I did it now it really would be um uh no I remember Dick King Smith coming to set and meeting him and being really moved by I don't know if I would have said moved at 13, but I felt very, um, uh, looking back, he, he explained to me that Harmony was based on his wife. And um, that, that always stuck with me. And that felt more of a pressure rather than the book. Mm-hmm. It was kind of honouring something that he had, he was so close to. And I don't know. Harmony was a great character. She was she was good fun, and I feel very lucky to have played her, and very lucky to have been in that series. It was, you know, particularly the first one. I felt it was really, really special, and I I know how many people enjoyed it, and it still stands. A friend of ours now has got a daughter, who um, who he I suggested she read the book. And he then played her through YouTube, the whole of the Queen's Nose. <laughs> and um, that's really nice. And my husband always says, you know, we need to sit down when our son gets to an age where he can enjoy it and watch it. Because I think it's still relevant. It is. I, I, in, prior to this interview, I, I watched some clips on YouTube and it does. It still stands completely. And just the moral, you know, I, 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 forgive me, I don't watch that much children's television now, but <laughs> the kind of um moral story feels so important um the kind of okay go and make these mistakes go and wish for you what you want and find out what the consequences are you know that's what I talk to clients about as a therapist all the time like there's no problem with the mistake it's how do you learn from it you know and and how does that change your perspective going forward so I guess um leading on to that when did you start going into therapy and why did you go into it um I the short answer is I went to therapy and it massively kind of changed uh how I felt um about loads of things and um I did psychology at a level and I was always always interested in 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 the psychology of human existence and also in you know I'd be on set and I would 
I, I was such an observer. I'd kind of watch what people were doing and I'd always ask, you know, crew what their job was. And I remember lots of, there was a, in fact, on the Queen's nose, there was a cameraman who really sadly isn't with us anymore. And he said to me, he said, you know, I feel like you're not going to carry on acting and you're going to be behind the camera at some point. Because I'd always ask what the camera was doing, what the focus mm. pillar was doing. And, and I was more interested in that. So I think that I was always observing and watching. And as a kid on a set, as you guys know, I think it's kind of exactly, you really have a sense of how adults can do things and they don't think children are watching. Mm. And you see so much. And I've, I think I just witnessed a lot of interactions and kind of things going on that weren't clear. And I was always trying to work it out. So I went to therapy for my own reasons. I think I was probably in my early twenties and, um, and I worked with a therapist who um, really, really changed so much for me, helped me change my life around and it really inspired me. And then I decided, she suggested I do the training that she'd done. And that um, training required me to commit fully, which meant I couldn't work. And I, it was one of those random things where I kind of thought, oh, well, I, I will do it one day. And I got an audition for Holby City for a regular. And at that point I had a mortgage and that would have been really helpful. <laughs> and so I went for it. And I also went the same week I went for a, uh, the interview for my training. And I, on a few days later, I got a letter saying, you've been um, accepted onto the training. And that afternoon I got a call from my agent saying, you've got a recall for Holby. Wow. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> So um, I'll go for Holby. If I get Holby, I'll do that and I'll do the training at another point, was my thinking. And then I went for Holby, didn't get it. And it made my mind up. It was like, right, now I'm doing the course. And so, you know, as I said earlier, it was really helpful that I'd already reached that point of accepting that if it ended, it would be okay. Mm -hmm. um, and I really didn't regret it for a, quite a long time. It was kind of four years of training when all your mates are suddenly making money and living in their own flats. Yeah. <laughs> I was then nannying my nephew to try and keep money <laughs> coming in. Um, was, uh, that was a, a kind of low point. But then, you know, I, I, I don't look back. There are occasions now, my husband is an actor, and I'll read scripts with him for auditions or I'll read it or I'll watch stuff that he's doing. Um, and occasionally I think, God, I'd love to do that. Um, but what's interesting for me is now it's more the, the, the plays that he does that I wish that I could have a go at now mm. rather than television and film. Did you do theatre? I did a little, but not, yeah. not much at all. I think at that age, you kind of, well, certainly then, I don't know if it's the same for you guys. It felt much more like if you were in television, you were in television and you didn't. And because I hadn't done the kind of, um, I hadn't gone to a drama school. I hadn't gone to Sylvia's or anything like that. <clears throat> I was, I hadn't had the training for theatre. And so as an adult, when I was doing theatre, I felt really out of my depth. And I really uh, would have welcomed some training, I think. Um, so I would always steer clear of it in a way. But now I think, you know, I've learned so much from watching um, more and more theatre as my husband's worked and we've gone to more and more plays over the years but yeah I don't I don't miss 
working um I miss the social aspect I think more than anything I mean don't we all right now but um the 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 lovely thing about acting is the people I think, mm. you know, you meet so many brilliant people and I know they're little bubbles for the time that you're on the job mostly, but it is an experience and it's, um, it's a shared experience and everyone's kind of committed from the beginning, which is always lovely. Um, and I don't get that. My job now is incredibly lonely because while it's incredibly intimate for my clients to share what they share, they're not sitting at my dinner table in yeah. COVID times. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, they're not my friends. So that's that's um it's much more lonely Mm. they're like yeah they're really like incredibly intense periods of times doing obviously whether it's a tv series or a film or a Mm. uh, even a theater show and i i I sometimes think to myself whether i learned from a young age that you can have a really intense friendship with someone over like you know a, a month period of doing a show and then accepting that you may not ever see them again yeah but being okay with that whereas i find that sometimes if i didn't have that experience say you met someone like a holiday or something like that and you're like oh i want to stay friends for life with you mm. i know that those things you can have a friendship and it then you just have that and then you just move on from it yeah it's a good lesson isn't it it's a kind of resilience to the kind of movement of friendships and intensities of connections I yeah think. but i never thought about that when i was younger on I, I never, I never realized that it was that intense because we're in such an intense environment. That's what made you have such a close relationship with these people who you were acting with or crew members and, and whatnot. But because obviously when you're, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old and you're on a, a film set, I guess for me, I wasn't as aware of what was going on around me because you're nine years old. Um, but now looking back at that, I can yeah. see that's what it was. Absolutely. It's so intense. You know, it's such a, a kind of um, a demand of, of, of connection and particularly if you're acting with other people, <laughs> but mm. also just the crew, just, you know, I think crews go totally unthanked. They are amazing. <clears throat> you know, they're there more than anyone, you know, all the time. And um, I, um, I think that kind of level of, um, you know, just live, you work, the hours are so long, you know, it's nothing like, like America, but it is um, really, really intense. And, mm. and, you know, even, like I said, even before the times of lockdowns and COVID and that kind of thing, we, you know, you're kind of in a bubble mm. because you really don't do anything else, particularly crew. And if you're the yeah. lead in something, you really, you're not going anywhere else. You're not staying you can't socialise in the evening. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. You can't, you can't go for dinner with your friends after work. No. Well, the Queen's Nose was, yeah, well, the Queen's Nose was filmed all, every summer. And I would finish, it was a six week or a seven week shoot. And it would always fall over the summer holidays. And I'd probably, mm. I think I, I missed the, the school, um, you know, the fun trip at the end of term to Thorpe Park or, or somewhere. <laughs> I missed that every year because I'd take the last week of school off and I'd be filming. And so I never had a summer holiday. Yeah. I would work every single day or uh, not weekends, um, but I would work every single day for that holiday. And it didn't feel like that now, you know, as a kid. It just, I just knew that I was missing out on seeing my friends. Did you feel like that at the time that you were missing out on 
normal school kid stuff yeah a little bit I think as I got well yeah because I was I was 13 when I did the first series so I was aware that I was missing out and Mm. um you know I'd still see my best friend I never forget when we dyed my hair for the queen's nose um they dyed it with this henna and they said to me you know please don't wash it for as long as you can. We're just going to keep it. And, you know, I was a young girl, so I could do that. <laughs> I not yeah. do that now. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd left it for something like three weeks, which is insane. Um, but I remember going to my best friend's house one weekend and thinking, I'm going to wash my hair today. And I washed my hair in her bath and I'll never forget her whole bath just going red. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was, you know, I did get to see friends at the weekend, thankfully, because we were filming in London. And I lived in London, but um, yeah, I think I I'd kind of probably realised I missed out once I got back to school. Do you remember feeling left out of things that had happened over the summer or other points? Um, yeah, I mean, I was left out from a young age anyway, I think, from the sense of, you know, <clears throat> when I was even younger than before Queen's Nose, when I did things like The Maid and things like um, Shining Through. I was away from school for like, when I did Shining Through, I was away from school for, I think, nine weeks. And, um, and then I came back and, and kids at that age, I was eight or nine, kids at that age can't, can't get their head around that. That doesn't, wait, how come you haven't been at school and now you get welcomed back? Like, and so my best friend, very understandably, you know, it was my best friend one day. I then went for nine weeks. She then was like, yeah. um, I haven't got any friends. Yeah. So went and got some friends. I came back and at that age, it was like, well, you can't come in. And, you know, I say that with so much warmth. I'm speaking to her tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's not, um, you know, it was just very, it was what happens with children. Yeah. You know, even if you're gone for a day when you're a kid, sometimes you get left out the next day. So it was a real experience. I think a lot of my life was feeling on the edge of things. My parents divorced when I was um, five, four and a half. And I would go from my mum's to my dad's and I'd go to a film set and I'd go to school. And then, so I was always kind of going, dropping in and out of things. So I got very good at being on the edge and a bit like you were saying, Jordan, that thing of, not getting so attached mm. because <clears throat> things might end. Yeah. And that might, per- and while that's a good kind of survival skill, I would now say it's kind of, it's, it's hard work, hard work for me as an adult to really put myself in, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the opposite of. I, I, I'd completely agree, agree with that. I mean, even look at me now I'm 32 and I've been with my partner for, for eight years and I wonder if, and we're not married, but I wonder if <laughs> my, not reluctance, but my, I've not proposed. I'm like, is that because, is that something to do with the way I have always dealt with kind of like mm. situations where like you're in it, but you know that it could not yeah. be, you could not be in it like the next week or the next month or a year's time it could end. And that's okay because things that are brilliant do end sometimes. Sure. Don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak for you, but I do know that of myself, that I could, um, I, can put, I can very easily exist on the edge of things. Mm. It's quite a very safe place for me to be. What I now understand is it's entirely unsatisfying <laughs> and <laughs> deeply um, kind of 
lonely on some regard uh, on some level um but that's a much more kind of you know uh, therapeutic <laughs> way of thinking about it but also just something that i've noticed about while it was really good for me to get used to that it, it the the consequence as we were talking about earlier is that it means it's harder to kind of trust that people will stay around or trust that um it will you know that you'll go through those those kind of cycles mm. and that things will come back round. I mean to that point the friend that I was talking about, my best friend at school, she um she and I have gone like that all the way through our lives. They've dri- we've drifted apart and she now lives in Spain and we've reconnected over the last year and and that's really lovely. And and it's like we've picked up from where we left off, which yeah. is which is really lovely. The positive that I'm getting from this though is also potentially the fact that it, it means you're quite good at jumping into any new situation with yeah. people. Yeah. Kind of unfazed yeah. by, um, you know, new surroundings or jobs. Yeah. And, yeah. Do you find that now, Hattie? Did, that te- did you learn that? I think I'm quite good at putting on a show of um, being comfortable in a situation. That, almost that act, really. Yeah. Well, it's a mask, isn't it? And it's a skill. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, you know, we adapted. We had to learn how to do that at a young age. And so you kind of pull it out the bag when you need it. But it doesn't, I think the danger is that if that becomes the relationship, that you're always performing and that you're always kind of going against the part of you that doesn't feel comfortable. Yeah. And also, and it doesn't exactly that. It doesn't actually mean you are comfortable. So you're probably not being yourself as much as other people maybe think you might be <laughs> absolutely well i say to clients all the time it's it's it might be comfortable but uh, it might not be comfortable but it's familiar mm. and we know how to do it yeah Ooh. <laughs> um during that period before queen's nose and you were doing lots of different tv shows and films around the world almost <laughs> yeah. um was that fun yeah i mean um I was, I look back now and I think, and this is going to sound like I'm um, some dreadful name dropper, but (laughs) literally I look back at the people I work with and I'm just thinking, wow, I had, had I known who those people were as a child, I I think I would have been totally frozen on the spot. But you know, the beauty of being a kid and not knowing who any of these movie stars were was, was lovely. And I was so spoiled by lots of them. Um, we really, <clears throat> you know, I think that's the nice thing often on, you know, I'm going to say most of the time, children are treated really nicely on film sets. Mm-hmm. And um, that was, I think, the shock for me when I was 17. And I think my first job after I'd done my A-levels and I was working abroad, and it was the first time I'd gone abroad without a chaperone or without my mum or anyone. And... Um, I remember suddenly feeling so invisible, so kind of fearful and not knowing what I was doing. I was in the middle of Prague, I just dropped off at a hotel. I was then going to be picked up for a costume fitting. And I was then stuck in this room being screamed at in Italian. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I suddenly thought, oh my God, I've been so protected. (laughs) I've been so looked after. (laughs) Because no one would have stood for that when I was a kid and they would have stepped up. And so it was like, how do I find my voice here? Mm. but yeah, I think as a kid, I was just, you know, really 
really spoiled by amazing people, not just because they were famous, but because they're really good people. Mm. Were you quite often um, the only child on set also for all of these shows before Queen's Nose? Um, yes, I think if I look back, certainly on The Maid, I was the only, with Martin Sheen, I was the only child. It was all about him being my maid coming in mm. to look after me mm. as a nanny, this French kind of maid. Um, and um, Shining Through, not, no, I, it was me and a boy called, man now, Anthony, <laughs> um, played my brother. And like I said, we'd been in, we were in the Grand Hotel in Berlin for nine weeks and he and I would um, just run around at the end of the day, the second AD would give us the um, walkie talkies and we'd literally play, I don't know if anyone knows the Grand Hotel in Berlin. It was in Unorthodox re recently and it was, oh, yes, yeah. it was, it's this incredible hotel in Berlin, right on the internet in Linden. And it's, it's kind of got this hexagonal kind of um, atrium um hall lobby and all the floors kind of look down on them. and we would play with the walkie-talkies we'd get in the lift and go and say right i'm on the eighth floor come and find me <laughs> literally and then we'd get i'd get up to the eighth floor and he's like i'm on the second floor <laughs> literally just running i mean running riot in this hotel but <laughs> we were there for nine weeks oh that is brilliant <laughs> Every child's I mean, dream, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was brilliant fun. And then you get on set and then you have to be really serious and really quiet. And, and, yeah. Victoria, um, thank you so much. I think, sorry, Jordan, you were going to say something before. You... I, I wanted to know if some of the, what, the, the big jobs that you really wanted that you didn't get. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Um, what can I think back to? I don't know if anyone would remember that. They were just really, I remember um, there was one I really wanted. It was called um, Junk. And Jemima Reaper got it and she was brilliant. Um, and then also, I really wanted, uh, I went for As If and again, yeah. Jemima got that. She is brilliant. Um, and um, yeah, I'm trying to think if there was anything later, I think there were jobs, but I can't remember necessarily the names of them now. Um, like I said, there are things that my husband has done that I think, God, I'd, you know, he did a play called Bull and I just thought I would love to do that play. Um, it's just, you know, reading good dialogue yeah. is and it's brilliant. Do you think you would encourage your son to get into acting if he wanted to? I'm going to say no. <laughs> um, uh, Fair enough. No, well, it's not awful. I mean, we, he kind of, he's four and he kind of sings and dances and, you know, tries to get our attention sometimes. And he's very funny. But I, um, we joke about it. But I, I would, I think if I'm honest, what I would say is, you know, what my parents said, you know, get an education and see if you really want to do it at the end. Um, yeah, it's not to say he couldn't. I don't know. I don't know. We'll cross that bridge, but I yeah. don't think either of us would really encourage it. Certainly not as a, a kid. Victoria, thank you so much for oh, thank chatting you to us. So nice to meet you both. Thank you so much to Victoria for coming on the podcast. And thank you to George for providing the music. 
you can find him at soundcloud.com forward slash George. That's J-A-U-G-E. Tune in next time. See you later.